The scripture reading today is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. Good morning. For those of you who have not met me, my name is Trisha Schneider, and I am a member here at Beauty United Methodist Church. My husband, Mike, and I have been members here and involved in the life of this church for about 20 years. I currently serve as our lay leader, which means that I work with Pastor Lisa to help align the many broad parts of this congregation's ministries. And for those of you that do already know me, you have not seen me in a role like this up here on a Sunday morning to present the sermon. It's a bit of a surprise to me too. I will tell you that this is not a role that I sought out to be speaking publicly, let alone to be presenting a Sunday sermon. But a few months ago, when Pastor Lisa told me that she needed people to fill in during her absence, she asked me to consider it. Then she looked at me with the most calming voice and asked, Trisha, do you trust me? Well, I melted inside, and it was as if in that moment God was speaking through her and I could not say no. As we know from Isaiah's vision, he heard the Lord say, whom shall I send? And Isaiah answered, here I am, send me. So I knew that my answer had to be yes. Here I am, Lord. So in this context, I invite your prayers and ask that you bow your heads to pray with me and for me. Dear loving and gracious God, you are our mighty and sovereign creator. We humble ourselves and thank you for the privilege to gather to worship you and listen to your word this morning. We continue to lift up Pastor Lisa in her recovery from surgery, and we pray for a smooth and easy transition as she comes back to work in the week ahead. We are grateful for this community and the love we share for you and with each other. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord. Amen. So, here we are. I'd like to begin by telling you about my faith story. I describe it as like a crescendo. Crescendo is a term in music in which a piece of music gradually increases and grows in loudness. It starts small and quiet, builds over time, and culminates in a grand finale. I was baptized into the church as an infant by my mother Joan and my father Bill. It was the same United Methodist Church in the suburbs outside of Buffalo, New York that my parents were married in. Before I could know or understand the significance of my baptism, I believe God was working through my parents to claim me. I was a baby, small and fragile, and incapable of living without someone to take care of me. I was not able to accept for myself the relationship that God offers to us. 
In the act of my baptism, a facet of God's grace was present, which I came to understand as prevenient, meaning God is present with us throughout our lives from the moment we begin to be. Prevenient grace is the desire of God that pursues us before we are even aware of it. Through God's prevenient grace, a lifelong process of transformation took hold in me at the time of my baptism. As a child, I attended Sunday school, and as a teen, I was part of the youth fellowship. I was confirmed in that same United Methodist Church when I was in eighth grade. This was probably the first time that I personally claimed the name of being Christian, although I have to say that I didn't fully understand what this meant. In my college years, I wandered and strayed, but I always came home for the holidays and attended church with my family. As a young adult working in my first professional job, I decided to transfer my church membership and I joined the local United Methodist Church in Midland, Texas. This was another significant step in my Christian walk one that I made as an adult. While working in Midland, I met Mike, and we eventually moved here to Central Texas. Our marriage ceremony at First UMC in Austin was special for me. I recognized it as another meaningful step. Mike and I were both clear that we wanted to be married in a church and that we were making a commitment in the presence of God and that God was as much a part of the relationship as the two of us. When we came to Buda, we joined this church here. My faith continued to build, and my understanding of God's transforming work in my life continued to grow through regular worship attendance, and especially through Bible study. It was through the series called Disciple Bible Study that I found a strong connection with Scripture and stories about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. The walk to Emmaus was another pivotal step for me. Through the Emmaus walk, I learned more about and experienced more of God's grace. It was on that Emmaus walk that I first heard about provenient grace, that grace that God gave to me before I could see it or understand it. And I also learned about God's justifying grace and sanctifying grace. The walk to Emmaus was truly foundation-forming. I did what they call my pilgrim walk 17 years ago. Every year since, I have been a part of some Bible study class so that I could dive deeper into God's Word. Last summer, along with many of you, for the first time, I read the Bible completely from the first chapter of Genesis to the last word in the book of Revelation, and we read it all in 90 days. Not only did I accomplish a lofty goal, but I came to appreciate in yet another new perspective that God is my sovereign creator that Jesus is my Savior and the Holy Spirit is my guide. It is solely because of God's grace and the work of the Holy Spirit that I am able to introduce myself by telling you that I am a child of God and a follower of Christ. The fact that I am standing here, an introvert with low confidence in publicly sharing anything about herself, let alone her personal testimony, is 100% God's transformative doing. And it all started when I was claimed by God through my baptism over 50 years ago. The scripture reading from Matthew, read by Jean this morning, is the story of Jesus' baptism. After the gospel stories of the birth of Jesus, the baptism of Jesus is the next major biblical story about him. It is told not only in Matthew, but also in the books of Mark and Luke. The five short verses that we heard this morning are chock full of things happening. 
When I do Bible study, I sometimes like to follow a guideline of the five W's and one H to investigate the who, what, where, when, how, and why of a story. This is a technique I learned through a particular Bible study called Precepts Ministries. I found it to be a very challenging curriculum. A friend and I studied the book of Joshua together, taking one lesson at a time, and it took us 14 months to complete a seven-week study. But it was really good. I learned so much about God and the Israelite people. So this technique that I learned is to consider the five W's and an H, who, what, when, where, why, and how. For the next few minutes, I'd like to use this application on today's liturgy reading. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. First, who? Who is driving the story? Who is it about and who is present? The first three words of verse 13 tell us exactly who this story is about. Then Jesus came. The story is about Jesus. And we hear that Jesus came to meet John, who is John the Baptist. They know each other, and we know them to be related as cousins. Then scanning through the following verses, we see that the Holy Spirit was present, often represented by a dove, or as in today's artwork on the screen, a pelican. And also, God was present. These are pretty major characters. We can also surmise that there was a crowd. The story is being told from an observer's perspective, so from this, we know that there was at least one witness. But John didn't baptize in private ceremonies. They were in a public setting, and there were likely many witnesses. So our who is John, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God, and the crowd of witnesses. The what of the story, the event that is taking place, is Jesus' baptism. John has been baptizing many, and now he baptizes Jesus. Verse 13 says that Jesus came to John to be baptized by him. Jesus was intentional. This was not a coincidence. But John pushes back and basically says, no, Jesus, you have it backwards. I need to be baptized by you. And of course, Jesus reassures John by saying that, is, that it is proper for us in this way. In other words, it is not wrong for you to baptize me. He tells John, in this way, we fulfill all righteousness. Jesus is saying to John that there is a bigger plan. Jesus was sinless and didn't need to be baptized, but he identified himself with John's ministry to give John a promised sign that Jesus was the Messiah. Through this act, they would fulfill all righteousness. What a tall order. Something is about to happen that is all about God. This is essentially a handoff of ministry from John to Jesus, and they are right on the cusp of something incredible. And did you hear Jesus say, we fulfill all righteousness? When I first read this, I thought he meant that John and Jesus were going to do this, fulfill all righteousness. But as we shortly see, I believe that the we Jesus might actually be referring to is Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God. I'm sure that John was quicker than I to realize such important things, so John, of course, then consents and agrees to baptize Jesus. So again, our who is John, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God, and the crowd, and the what is that this is Jesus' baptism through which everything would be right. Next, where is this taking place? The Jordan River. 
The Jordan was a meaningful location in the history of the Israelites. It was the Jordan River that Joshua led the Israelites across to claim the land promised to them through Abraham. Moses led them from Egypt and through the desert, and then Joshua led the Israelites across the Jordan River to the land of milk and honey. The twelve tribes of Israel claimed their lands, some to the east and most to the west, of the Jordan. The Jewish people who were witnesses to Jesus' baptism knew this history and the significance of God's promises. The Jordan River was a significant body of water in the Old Testament, and now it comes back into view in an even more meaningful way in the New Testament. Yet there is another, possibly even more important aspect about where this event is taking place. In verse 16, the text says that as Jesus came up from the water, the Holy Spirit came down from the heavens. This means that this very important event happened here on earth, at the Jordan River, a place where you and I can go today. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God, the three persons of the Trinity, are together, not in heaven where we know that they were together. John chapter 1, in the beginning there was the Word, and the Word, Jesus, was with God. But in this instance, they are here on earth. There aren't many places in the Bible text, or maybe this is the only one, please check me on this where the three persons of the Trinity so clearly for a moment are all together on this earth. And there were witnesses. For me, I am struck by this point about where this event happens among the three persons of the Trinity. Moving along, the next question is when. When Jesus' baptism in the Jordan River occurs can be discerned through the text just prior to and just after these verses, and a little bit from the other Gospels. Jesus isn't a baby anymore, and he isn't the 12-year-old boy who, unbeknownst to his parents, stayed behind in the temple to talk with the church leaders. Immediately after Jesus' baptism takes place, he retreats to the wilderness where he is tempted for 40 days, and then he begins his ministry. So in context, at the time of his baptism, Jesus is an adult, and this is a time which is followed by a new chapter in his life. In the life of our church, the event of Jesus' baptism is celebrated as Epiphany, 12 days after Christmas. The liturgical season which follows is called Epiphany Tide and goes right up to the season of Lent. On our church calendar, today is the first Sunday during Epiphany, which signifies a turn in focus from Advent and the birth of Jesus to the start of Jesus' public ministry. Moving forward in scripture from here, Jesus is teaching, feeding the hungry, and performing miracles. And we hear story after story told through parables and lessons, which share God's love, mercy, and grace to the hundreds and thousands of people that encounter Jesus during his public ministry. So now we move into why and how. Why did this event take place? Why is this important in the big picture? And how did it happen? These are more challenging questions. How Jesus' baptism happens is quite remarkable. John baptized many people before this, and I imagine in some sense he proceeded in the same manner with Jesus as he did with the others. They are in the water. John probably praised God and said a prayer. 
But then what happened next was unlike any previous baptism and was nothing short of amazing. As Jesus came up from the water, the heavens above suddenly opened. Jesus saw the Spirit of God, the Spirit descended and alighted upon Jesus. Jesus himself came from the heavens and had been walking this earth for 30-some-odd years, and now the Holy Spirit came down upon him with gentleness like a dove and rested peacefully on him. In this moment, Jesus received the blessing of the Holy Spirit. It was part reunion, part revelation, part transformation. It is not surprising that with this gift of the Holy Spirit that all righteousness was fulfilled, and from this point Jesus' public ministry takes off. John had been baptizing with water, now Jesus would baptize with the Holy Spirit. Jesus received a new birth, bringing a living hope into his daily life. His life was transformed before the witnesses of a watching world. But the story isn't over, because then those witnesses hear the voice of God speak, and he claims Jesus as his son. God says to the witnesses, Here is my son with whom I am well pleased. In the story as told by Matthew, God is speaking to the witnesses, to us, and he makes a proud introduction. I'd like you to meet my son, and I'd like you to know how well pleased I am with him. What a moment for a child to be so proudly introduced and claimed by his parent. The presence of the crowd also suggests that our participation as witnesses is essential. God wants us to know his son. God is directly relating to us and speaking to us as he introduces and claims Jesus. Why is this important? We are presented with an amazing, rare interaction among the three persons of the Trinity. Interacting independently, but with each other, in what must have been an incredibly intimate and powerful experience among them. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit were reunited here on earth at the Jordan River. But they don't keep this a secret. They don't keep this to themselves. God chose to share this act of love and to once again share his son with us. And God revealed to us that all righteousness was fulfilled so that we too may receive the gift of the Holy Spirit through the act of baptism, leave behind our old selves, and prepare for the coming kingdom of heaven. Whether as babies, teenagers, or adults, this gift is freely and generously offered to us. Whether through sprinkling, dipping, or dunking, baptism is an acceptance of God's grace which we claim for ourselves or on behalf of another, so that we receive a new birth to transform our daily lives with hope and love. Friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, it is in this spirit of naming and claiming ourselves as Christians on this first Sunday of Epiphany that in a few minutes, everyone is invited to come forward in a ceremony to remember your baptism. Or if you have not yet been baptized, to look forward and come in anticipation of your baptism and claim for yourself God's transforming grace. For a brief time in my life, I questioned if my baptism was good enough because I didn't have any choice in the matter. I also worried that 
my faith wasn't strong enough or real enough because I had never experienced a singular grand moment of revelation from God the way I've heard other people share about themselves. But now as a person who describes her faith as growing like a musical crescendo, I am confident in knowing God's grace is one which leads me to know God a little bit more every day and leads me to love Jesus a little bit more every day. And in that way, I have hope and am encouraged. My hope is that you too may be encouraged by the love and grace that God has for each of you. For it was on that day in the Jordan River, in the presence of witnesses, that God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit fulfilled all righteousness as John baptized our Lord and Savior Jesus, so that we too may receive a new birth and a living hope as we are named and claimed as God's children. Amen.